0: Hello, I'm Eric Nance and you are listening to episode 27 of the R Weekly Highlights Podcast. Today we are covering the highlights for issue 2021 W07, released on February 15th, 2021. This week's issue was curated by Jonathan Carroll with help from the R Weekly team members and contributors. Throughout many areas of the tech industry, Open-source software has become not just an aspirational philosophy, but a valuable and essential component to a bigger set of bigger opportunities and capabilities. Within statistics and data science, R has been one of the biggest revolutions since its initial release in 1995 under the GNU public license. Only a short two years later, the Comprehensive R Archive Network, more commonly known to as CRAN or CRAN, was launched to give aspiring R developers a mechanism to share their code bringing new capabilities to the language. Even more amazing, CRAN is not the only source one can draw upon for enhancing their current installation. As the well-renowned Bioconductor project provides a rich ecosystem for bioinformatics, along with packages hosted in popular online version control repositories like GitHub, Subversion, and more. If you have ever encountered any odd issues when installing a package, or wondered just what happens after a package is installed, then our first highlight is a great place to start. Thomas Neatman, statistical programmer analyst at a life sciences company, hey, that just so happens to be my industry too, has authored a comprehensive guide for installing R packages on his blog, and it is packed with advice, answering these questions and more. After covering the basics of using R's built-in function install.packages alongside Bioconductor, Thomas details the power of the remotes package for installing a package from many different online repositories, as well as different approaches you can take for installing a specific version of an R package from CRAN. The remainder of the post outlines how library paths factor in to deciding where a package is installed on your system, along with one of the best troubleshooting guides I have seen for errors commonly encountered, such as updating an already loaded package and dealing with the dreaded failed to create lock directory, something that my colleagues would encounter quite frequently on their enterprise systems. In true spirit of the value of the R community, Thomas reached out to the R users on Twitter on potential topics to include in this post, which was a great way to bring collaboration in today's world. I'd imagine we will be seeing more excellent tutorials and guides on Thomas's blog in the near future. And speaking of the values of open source, another benefit that sometimes can be a detriment is the sheer amount of choices available for accomplishing various tasks on building cool products. While not on a massive scale, even the R Markdown ecosystem presents you with more than one path to creating your own website. Professor of Statistics and Data Science Dr. Lisa Lendway recently embarked on her own journey to develop her own personal website, and rather than just tell us the what of the tooling she ended up using, she has fleshed out the why behind her decisions for us to learn from on a recent RStudio education blog post for our second highlight today. Lisa's first attempt was with BlogDown, the package bringing the Hugo static site generator to the R community and has been featured a few times in our previous highlights. Blogdown, and by extension Hugo, is a very powerful package with a large feature set, but Lisa found herself in a familiar situation of tweaking many details and not getting to her goal of the site completion. But after watching a very timely webinar from Allison Hill and Desiree De DeLeon which we will link to in the supplements section of this episode's show notes, she discovered not only the different options for an R Markdown site, but also practical advice on the complexity one could encounter in their journey. After some more adventures with R Markdown directly, she navigated to the Distill package, which wraps the Distill web framework originally launched in 2016 as part of the Distill Machine Learning Journal. With some recent updates, Lisa was able to make enough theme customizations to make her site stand out while not being overwhelmed with complexity and offers a familiar workflow of knitting each post to see the updated rendered in real time, plus the ability to keep each post organized with its own directory. Lisa's insights sprinkled throughout her post are just one benefit of sharing a development journey on how they arrived to creating their own digital garden, a theme behind Vicky Boykus' recent keynote at our Studio Global. Rounding out our highlights for today. In last week's episode, we covered the recent version 1.6 update to the Shiny Package, with a robust set of new features helping both the development experience and app performance. If you have seen the recently revamped Shiny Gallery available on the Shiny website, practically every application in that showcase makes excellent use of the capabilities in Shiny and other additional packages. While you might see authors of these applications share some details on the functionalities they selected, and the code behind the app, sometimes we need slightly more information and a targeted demonstration to really nail the nuts and bolts behind a feature. And that's where the newly launched Shiny app Stories comes into play. On the RStudio blog, members of the Shiny development team, Winston Chang and Nick Strayer, are taking a new approach to how they address the documentation and demonstrations offered by Shiny. The first app stories are centered around a neat weather explorer application and two articles accompany the app to share the motivation behind the app's overall design and how the new bind cache function is implemented to enhance the speed and user experience when the user queries different cities in the app. As someone who has begun showcasing novel uses of Shiny and the community behind much of the Shiny ecosystem, this is an exciting new resource to share with both new and experienced Shiny developers. If you would like to hear more about Winston's perspective on where Shiny has been and is going, as well as Nick's take on novel uses of JavaScript within Shiny, you are invited to check out the recent episodes of the Shiny Developer Series which will be linked to in this episode's supplement of the show notes. And those are your R Weekly Highlights for today. These highlight stories are only the tip of the R iceberg, so to speak, as we have many additional stories to level up your R knowledge, including a thought-provoking use of torch and tidy models for high-energy physics, decoding case data through the COVID-19 Data Hub, a great demonstration of understanding models of the recent Tidy Tuesday inequality and student debt data set, and much more. The R Weekly project is another example of how the input from the community supercharges the content you see every week, and we are always looking for contributors to join us. You can simply visit our site at rweekly.org and follow the link at the top of every post, for complete details on how you can get involved. And if this humble little audio podcast is giving you an added bonus to In Your R Adventures, spreading the word on social media or leaving a review on the major podcast hosting platforms goes a long way to keep this going. Have a great week, and we will be back with another batch of R Weekly Highlights next week.